All right, everybody, welcome back. It's college football season, and we are glad to be with you on the officially the 12th episode of Sports Chatter. Uh, it's, it's kind of been in and out for the last little while, but we started this last season, and uh, we're glad to be back. I am Kyle Parmley, along with Corey Parks. Corey, did this uh, live up to the billing as the greatest opening weekend in college football history to you? No, no, I don't think it did. I, there were some really good games, but I don't think uh, it was the best as far as the quality of games. But I, I do think the Sunday night game and the Monday game were really mm-hmm. good. So it kind of kept football going all weekend. So uh, it was really awesome. Probably wasn't the greatest weekend um, because of some of the results, but it was it was still awesome. You can't can't hate on college football. It's it's awesome. So. Yeah, we're about to we're about to make up for it in a big way in a couple of days. Saturday, the slate is trash. <laughs> um, so I don't. I, I mean, I'm still going to watch. There's a couple games, but you know, we're really we're really going to hurt after. Yeah, this. this is one of those Saturdays where you don't have to sit down all day because yep. like there's there's some gaps where it's just not great. But there's there's always a game or two you can find. So. When we got spoiled by having a game on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Yeah. <laughs> We're not True. having that anymore. True. But there's one good game Friday if you want to watch. Louisville, their quarterback is awesome to watch. So yeah, that, on ESPN if you want to watch them Friday. They'll be the team that can take down Houston. But we'll talk about them in a minute. Let's go ahead and dive into uh, a game – most everybody was watching the uh, the showdown in Jerry World, Alabama USC supposedly number one versus number twenty. I'm, I'm pretty safe in saying we got number one. I'm not sure if we got number twenty. Yeah, number twenty might have been generous, uh, but you never know. I mean, they could end up being a really good team. They do have they have a really hard schedule, so for them to stay ranked this year would just be if they were ranked at the end of the year, it'd be an impressive season for USC. Yeah, and I, that game started about like I expected it to. You know, USC comes in thinking. You know, we we can challenge these guys. You know, we're USC. We feel like we're as talented as them. And they played off that adrenaline for about a quarter and a half, and then it went downhill real quick. Their first uh, probably four or five series defensively were good. I mean, Alabama starts Blake Barnett. He plays two series, looks really like a deer in the headlights. Doesn't look good. Um, third series, you think Cooper Bateman's probably coming out. Mm-hmm. Nick Saban pulls a uh, pretty – pretty nice little move and puts Jalen Hurts in and he he fumbles his first possession and and really struggles his first couple of possessions to move the ball in the offense um but he finally gets rolling has a couple of long touchdown passes to our Darius Stewart one on a really good nice throw one on kind of a blown assignment um and then really Alabama just rolls to an easy win dominant defense uh, Bo Scarborough didn't play as much as we expected, but uh, Damian Harris looked nice, and it looks like, um, you know, Alabama is going to be just as tough as they always are. Well, was um, that second long touchdown pass seemed like that was the end for USC? Oh yeah, they, they knew they were done. Yeah, like I don't, I really don't know what happened because like they blitzed the corner, and typically in that situation, the safety is going to help over the top, and there's just nobody there. So I don't know if it was a missed assignment or what, but. Uh, yeah, our Darius Stewart has a big game, and Calvin Ridley's kind of quiet. Not not what you would expect, you know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but, you know, we, we, that'll all balance out, I'm sure. But good yeah. win for Alabama. So are we giving a shout-out to Touchdown Alabama for nailing the Jalen Hurts prediction, or are we upset that Nick Saban just completely lied in his press conference about his quarterback situation? No, <laughs> I, I, I think we got to give Touchdown Alabama a little credit. That was pretty pretty nice. 
Um, I think it was a guess, you know. We've seen that happen in the media several times. I can think of some off the top of my head. But. Yep. Well, I, I don't I, – I was thinking after after all this happened, after both the Alabama and the Auburn game, that Nick Saban and Gus Malzahn flat out lied to us. That's what That was my initial thought, is that Saban came out and said, well, Hurts is the one out of the race, and then turns out – Hurts is your best quarterback. But if you if you went back and watched it, he never says Hurts is out of the race. He says we're getting two guys ready to play. So it could have just been meant start the game, and then he he could have all all along had the plan to play Hurts. But like he said, why would you give your competition competition an advantage? It's yeah. not it's well, not smart. Yeah, when, then we heard Malzahn say Sean White's a starter, and then literally Sean White went out there for the first play, and then came out and didn't see any significant action until halfway through the third quarter, but. Now we know that was part of some plan that Auburn had come up with, and that was a that was a train wreck. I had both games on, um, and I'd look over at Auburn, and like you said, it was always somebody different taking snaps. Uh, Stanton drew it, became a running back somehow. I don't. It was just it was really weird, very very strange offense. And at some point, I thought by the second half they would realize, hey, this this ain't working, but they. They never could figure it out. Well, so. you know, it, I'm imagining, and this is just total total imagination. I don't know if this actually happened with anybody or not, but an Alabama fan is probably sitting there watching the Auburn game, just just laughing, like, "What in the world is Auburn doing?" Yeah, it, it's was, like a, that, that was a thing. Okay, it was like a circus out there. Yeah, and then Auburn fans kept watching their highlights, and Alabama just touched down, touched down, touched down. Yeah, if you got multiple TVs on, it's just like, hey, every time you look over, the score's different. Yeah. And if you're an Auburn fan, you're probably sitting down on the floor at the foot of the couch with a pillow over your head and screaming into it every five seconds because you don't know what's going on. I just, I'm just imagining. I'm not saying that you know anybody so actually at, did that. As your ta- on your as your take, what would you say? Who performed? I mean, because I don't think you got a lot of. You, I don't think that um, John Franklin really had. He had one play. He was running. He was in for the little wing T play that they ran, yeah. and he was just basically a decoy. Mm-hmm. And then he came and ran the read option. And I thought when he was running the read option that Carryon Johnson was probably getting his best carries of the night. He was, and the Malzahn was getting testy after the game with the media because they kept asking about his quarterbacks. And you know, I kind of understand because Malzahn, and once you hear him speak his Tuesday news conference, he admitted like that plan sucked. It was terrible. You know, that obviously did not work. And but watching the game, you're you're thinking like it's so obvious what Auburn was trying to like. It was obvious that John Franklin literally had two plays. Yeah. When he came in, it was two plays. It was a you know quote unquote read option. He was not allowed to keep the football. Yeah. On any of those. Now I will say Clemson's their end stayed home and just stared at him and made him hand the ball off. But it, it was it was the right decision every time. But. To me, I, I thought that that play was pretty effective. Well, the the where I gotta kind of get off track is that some people are saying, well, when Jeremy Johnson came in in the second quarter, you finally got a spark, or when John Franklin that came in, you kind of got a spark. The spark was not because of either one of them. No. The spark was because you finally just decided, hey, let's hand the ball to Carryon Johnson and let him, you know, do what he does best. My thing is Auburn's been successful with running with a quarterback that has a playmaking dynamic running ability a chance to break open the game with his legs jeremy johnson definitely can't do that he's not fast and his 
supposedly coming into last year, he was a great passer. Well, he can't throw for a lick. <laughs> so really no excuse for him to be in the game, in my opinion. He's leaving after this year. He doesn't. He's not helping your team. He's hurting your team. And then – so to me it's always been between Sean White and, and John Franklin. And then I, just watching John Franklin the other night, Auburn – the read option was your go-to play with Nick Marshall for mm-hmm. two years, and it worked for two years. You had a running back that got the ball, went downhill, three to four yards, tempo, three to four yards. You're picking up first downs. Yeah. John Franklin, he can throw the – I don't know how accurate he is, but when Nick Marshall first got there, he was not very good. Well, hold well, before I – like, I want to I talk about that too, but I think what you'll see this Saturday, Sean White will get the majority of the reps. Hopefully, John Franklin will get – you know, some chances to carry the ball himself, even throw it a few times, and hopefully we won't see Jeremy Johnson that much. But no, he like he should never play the, anymore. Like, no. there's no reason to play him this year. Like, you should play your true. You should play Woody Barrett before you play Jeremy Johnson. Like, but I want you sure. to, yeah, I want you to help me out here. You know, every coach, every game plan, every offensive team has ten to fifteen plays scripted when they start the game. Yeah. What does Alabama script normally look like? I mean. It's our, it's what our team does. It's a run, it's a run, it's a play action pass. It's a but there's always a plan and it's always executed well. You want to know what Auburn's script was Saturday? Put Stanton Truett in the backfield for the first play and hand him the ball at the middle. He's not a running back. And no, then he, you, I, I, I couldn't honestly. That was hilarious to me because I was like, who the heck is number ten running the ball? Exactly. <laughs> and then you hand him a couple sweeps. And then once they got a, got done with the script. Stan true, it wasn't part of the offense anymore. I don't understand that. Like, yeah. why don't you just run the ball with your best players on this in the script? Like, yeah. at least work on that during the week. Yeah, especially to start of the season. Yeah, I don't understand. Yeah, but, yeah. I, when to start a year, you have a clean slate, so nobody really knows what you're going to do, and then you don't give. I don't know. It's not to me. It wasn't a smart plan, and I, I think if you ask Gus, he knows that that was a. They played just brutal. Yeah, it was, and it was bad. A, and, but as as bad as offense play, the defense was really spectacular. Defense was outstanding. I I went back and watched the game. Whether that was that should have that was probably more painful than it should have been. With defense, I mean, there were you could you could count the bad plays on one hand. I mean the the defensive line didn't get a ton of pressure, but that was because Clemson's offense was prepared. Quick throws, and when they did drop back, they double teamed Carl Lawson. The secondary, Carlton Davis did all you could on Mike Williams, but Mike Williams is a really good receiver. That's really all Clemson had in the passing game was mm-hmm. that back shoulder throw. And yep. then, of course, he had the, the late touchdown to Renfro, which was an insanely good catch. But I thought Auburn held their own for sure against Clemson, and I, I don't I don't know if that says more for Auburn or more for Clemson, but I, I'd, I'd probably tend to say Auburn. You know, I'd say their defense was that good. So I agree. The only thing that scares me is the last time I thought Auburn had a legitimate defense was after the Kansas State game in 2014. And after that, it went down real quick. Uh, but, but you can definitely see this is our best defense in years, I'd say for sure. Yeah. Well, in the rest of the college football landscape, plenty of craziness going on in the SEC. What did the SEC end up with? Like seven losses? Is it that like, right? Well, it's like seven and seven and yeah. six and six out of conference. Gotcha. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, Okay. Well, all right, so we see Mississippi State loses to South Alabama, which really cracked me up, to be honest, because I, I'm an underdog sucker anyways, and yeah. that was awesome to see them win with a bunch of UAB players. Yeah, dunking a field goal, like a 30-yard field goal oh, this man. time. Yeah. It's terrible. 
Kentucky. Kicker, uh, let's get this out of the way. Yeah. Kickers in college suck. Oh, it's man. just it's awful. Yep, it's. And it wasn't like he had a million yard field goal. He had a twenty eight yard field goal to win the game. Uh, Kentucky gives up twelve million unanswered points to Southern Miss yep. and lost. Uh, Tennessee barely beats Appalachian State. Arkansas barely beats Louisiana Tech. So kind of a rocky start. LSU gets. I don't know what you call it to Wisconsin because Wisconsin didn't play badly, but they didn't play great either. LSU kind of coughed that one up. Yeah, LSU is just like you've probably heard it all week since the game. They run the ball. They run the ball. West Miles hasn't changed anything that they do. And I, I mean, watching the game, you can't argue that anything has changed about LSU. If, if anything, Brandon Harris was worse yesterday than mm-hmm. he was last year. They couldn't catch the ball. Um, Fournette was slow in the first half. He, he had a good second half, but um, you can't rely on scoring 14 to 20 points a game and winning. It's just not feasible in today's football. Yep, and then LSU is one of those really big hype preseason. And I've said I've talked to you about you, I've talked to you about this already. I just don't understand. And it's human nature to think, oh, everybody's gonna be better this year. It's the same cast of characters. And why all of a sudden they're preseason number five national championship contenders? I didn't get it because this was the same team last year. That well, everybody's floundered. like Brandon Harris. He's got potential and he really worked this offseason. Well, at this point in your career, you are what you are. You don't. Nobody makes like you don't. You're not Brandon Harris, and this year you become Cam Newton, or you're this right. year you become Johnny Manziel. Like right. that's not that that progression doesn't happen. You you have it or you don't. And Brandon Harris, to this point in his career, has showed me nothing. He's not a championship quarterback. They are not going to win. They're not even going to win the West. They're not going to win consistently with him being their quarterback. Yeah, well, they've got the talent to turn it around, but LSU fans are starting to gripe again, so we'll see. Texas A&M gives up uh, kind of a comeback to UCLA. but Yeah, it was like ends 15, up, 15 unanswered in like the last five minutes. And yeah, then, but they end up winning in overtime, so Trevor Knight, you sold on him? Uh no not yet um me neither he's not he's not really an, he's not extremely athletic and he's not a great he's not great at throwing the ball but their defense looked really good until the last five minutes but so if their defense can play that well and he can just get the ball to their playmakers because they have a lot of them they they got a chance to make a pretty good bit of noise in the West they just, really do just off the first weekend yeah and keep an eye on their offense they're, I think they're they're gonna stay true to the idea of running the ball more um team that doesn't have any trouble running the ball georgia uh ends up coming back and pulling away from north carolina uh nick chubb runs all over the fighting gene chizik's and jacob eason freshman quarterback for georgia comes in sporadically and i mean he he yeah, looks like he, the he real much deal. played exclusively in the second half and he, he kind of threw the ball downfield and he, he didn't have great numbers but he drew maybe like two to three pass interference calls because he just took the shot yeah he's got a big arm made a tremendous throw down the sideline on one play He's got a lot of talent. I think that Georgia needs to move in his direction if they want to realize oh, yeah. their potential. Without you know? a doubt. Um, and then Monday night's game, really disappointing. Um, Ole Miss looks like world beaters in the first half. And then uh, old boy Jameis Winston yells at the Florida State team in the locker room. and Probably the most random thing of the weekend, for uh, sure. I saw that today, and I was just like – He's a change. Know. He's a changed man, though. Yeah, he's changed. He changed. He did change the team. They played good, so maybe <laughs> he's maybe he should be a coach. I mean, that's his next career move. But you know, some of the questions about Ole Miss were, you know, 
the uncertainty of the weapons they've got. And I don't think that's an issue. I mean, oh, I think you saw that. Not at all. They, they, there's talent all over the place on yeah. that field. And, but to me, Ole Miss is the anti-LSU. It's like, we're going to pass the ball. I don't care what you say. We're <laughs> passing the ball. And that that's what killed them in the second half. They had the ball for like 90 seconds of the yeah. third quarter, yeah. something ridiculous. And see, LSU takes it to the extreme. Hey, we can control the ball and win the game. Ole Miss, they're like, I don't care what happens. If we throw three straight incompletions, put our defense. And their defense was tired and just a combo of things. But, yeah, that was a – it wasn't a good look for them, really. It didn't inspire a lot of confidence for their season. No, but I want to give – you know, outside the SEC, I want to give a lot of credit to uh, to Texas. They looked – and I, I, you can say what you want about Notre Dame not finishing that game off, but Deshaun Kaiser – is a legitimate Heisman Trophy contender. They need to just go ahead and give him the starting job. Yeah, he's he really good. Really good. He's miles, but I don't understand. I don't see how you can't see that in practice to name him the starter and just go with it. Uh, he was, that's a trend that's really confusing me in football this year. It's a lot of a lot of factors, but yeah. I mean he, that that guy. He's he's really good in Texas. You know that you can like or dislike Texas, but them being a you know a competitive football team is good for everybody. Yep, and it. They were they they and their two quarterback system worked and you know we'll see how how good it does the rest of the year. Yeah. Texas last year beats Oklahoma, mm-hmm. beats Baylor, then they beat Baylor. They beat Baylor or TCU. Yeah, well, they, and then they, they then they got shut out by Iowa State. Yeah. So it's like if they can develop consistency, you know Charlie Strong. He seems like he's doing a pretty good job there. Well, and I if you follow me on Twitter, I told you all that Houston was going to beat Oklahoma, and. A lot of people have gone all woe is woe is me on Oklahoma. Oklahoma's not bad, guys. I mean, Houston is just a really good football team. Yeah, Oklahoma, Oklahoma didn't play great. I'll yeah, give you that. We, and we rushed to conclusions in week one. Um, Absolutely. You know, Oklahoma, they they're never going undefeated. Like that's just never going to happen. So if they if they win the rest of their games, you know, Houston. That's what Houston's got to root for. But Houston looks good. Great quarterback. Played good defense. They're they they got a good chance to make some noise possibly you know we'll see and you get if you watch the game you heard a lot about ed oliver that freshman defensive tackle that houston's got kid is a five-star going to a place like houston i mean that says a lot and he comes in game one just wrecking wrecking the oklahoma offense it was really impressive all right well let's go ahead and move on to the uh, second week of action not a whole lot to choose from but you got a couple sec matchups Florida and Kentucky, uh, two teams that could really could really use a good start because a bad start starts putting a sour taste in your mouth. As far as the conference goes, Kentucky, you can erase last week if you need to. You need to you need a big win here. If Kentucky wins that game. That that you kind of forget about last week. Um, yep. Uh, but it's a tall task. Uh, they're going. It's in Gainesville. Uh, it'll be your two thirty CBS game. We got blessed with the whole year of Gary and Vern, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. 13, 14 weeks, so Let's it's going it. to be great. Um, but Florida, I mean, Florida should win. Um, but they, they struggled a little bit last week, so we'll see. Kentucky really needs it, and, and Florida needs it too. You know, obviously you want to win your first conference game. Yeah, two teams uh, that are really going to struggle to score, Mississippi State, South Carolina. Oof. So it's like a repeat of last Thursday, Vandy. Yeah. It's like the same game. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. South Carolina looked pretty good when Perry Orth came in there in the second half. They, they really got, did. Brian Edwards looked really good. He's oh, yeah. like a solid – I think he could yeah. be a really good receiver. Fantasy, we got him, <laughs> both of us. So, 
Um, but we'll see. Mississippi Mississippi State probably needs this win a little more because I don't think they're expected to be bad. Like they're expected to be bad, but not like lose to South Alabama and South Carolina bad. So uh, South Carolina was kind of like almost shocked to beat Vanderbilt, which is kind of amazing. So, uh, but it's not really. This game doesn't have a lot of implications past that. I mean, it's not going to affect anything in the long term. But you know what's wild is that, and don't even don't even think that I'm suggesting that South Carolina has any prayer of winning the East, but they very well should beat Mississippi State on Saturday, and then their third SEC game is Kentucky. So they, they could get they, they could, could go start three and zero. Yeah, and with, then you never know. But like, uh, I, yeah. I don't think it's going to. I don't. Yeah, that's yeah, really no, getting ahead of yeah. ourselves. It's but, South Carolina. That's not yeah exactly. But I think Damian Williams. Uh, just one little quick point. I think he looked pretty good last week, and he looks like he could be an effective runner. So maybe they can like. Develop. I think like they kind of figured out he's our guy. Yeah. So they still don't have a running back like always. All right, biggest college football game in the history of football games, if you ask. Uh, well, just in terms of attendance, uh, the battle at Bristol, Bristol Motor Speedway, a racetrack. Tennessee and Virginia Tech play in there. I'm not really sure what to expect, but I can't imagine like fans that buy tickets are going to be super thrilled because like if you oh, sit up in the top of turn one, like good. you can't see it's the game. Be terrible. Yeah, like you're going to be so far. You're going to just walk in it, for the. This is like a, I'm there because I'm yeah, right. And that, that's cool. Like I would do it. Like if I was a, if I was a Tennessee fan, I'd be there for sure. Yeah. But um, Tennessee should win there, right? Oh yeah, I didn't think they should win. I think they'll bounce back. They last week probably shocked their system a little bit, but. Um, I think they'll win, but Richard Petty, I heard, is going to be there. Like awesome. maybe uh, somebody said, like waving a flag. I don't know if that's is he going to drive thing. around the racetrack. I think they should have a race <laughs> and a football game because NASCAR can't get like they don't even get like a third of that place filled up. So that's kind of embarrassing. Yeah, <laughs> but, well, yeah. But just just the spectacle, it'll be something cool to watch. Sneakier game, Arkansas TCU. Arkansas struggled with Louisiana Tech last week. And TCU really struggled with South Dakota State. They gave up like 41 points to those guys. They're, they're, that's a good team, though. That's a good F- FCS team. It is, yeah. But, I mean, you can't yeah, give yeah. up 41 no. points to them. No. And if you're giving up 41 but, to them. But what's ha- new? Like, well, this is TCU. Hey, Kenny Hill, though. Yeah. He looked good, but hey, threw a he, few interceptions. He beat Arkansas one year in overtime in the Jerry Dome. <laughs> you remember that? That was the thing. Yeah. Yep. So, well, hey, he's going to get uh, a rematch. But – I don't know. Like I think I don't. I can't really. I don't have a strong opinion on this game. I think Arkansas could win, but yeah. I also think that that they're off. They got to play better than they played last week if they're going to win. That's yeah. for sure. Absolutely. I yeah. I'm with you. Toss up to me. Um, and then one game that um, I have not found one person that believes me yet. But as somebody who's watched Jacksonville State a few times last year. And as somebody who's watched LSU a few times last year and this year, Jacksonville State, I don't understand why anybody should expect them not to go down to LSU and, like, hang with them. Well, they hung with Auburn last year in Auburn, and they're a better team now. They have Rock Thomas, a former Auburn running back. Okay, but uh, Jacksonville State is, like, they're better at football than Auburn is. Like, I think (laughs) you could seriously have argued that last year. Like, they're a a middle-of-the-pack FBS team, probably. Oh, yeah. They would win a lot of conferences. Or maybe not win, but they would be really competitive in a lot of lower-tier conferences. And they're good. They have an experienced quarterback. They've been to overtime in an SEC stadium. And LSU has a history of struggling against teams like this. Like, 
there's a lot of games that, like, third quarter, it's like a touchdown three-point game. Like, and Jacksonville State is not going to go away if it's a touchdown game in the third quarter. Yeah. And they like they lost – you know, their best – their running back last year, Troy Man Pope, was really good. And now they arguably have somebody that's better than him. Yeah. In Rock Thomas. Yeah. So the, be, the best thing LSU can do is win this game handily. If they do that, they could be. You could say they're a but if they struggle, oh man, it might be a long miles. year. It Oof. might be a long year. He might go this week. They'll like be. They will be ready to if fire they, him immediately. Okay, so if they lost this game, would he get fired Monday? I think he had. I think, to. You, I think, I think, I think you would say yeah. I think you yeah, have to. I think he has to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's. Whew. But that's that's on down the road. I I I put out there a couple of days ago that I thought Jacksonville State would at least have the lead in the fourth quarter. Not to say they'd win, but we'll see. We will see. I got keep your eye on it. I think it yeah. could be one to see. Make sure to tune in. Before we go, we want to talk about one one last thing. You know, get back to Alabama and Auburn talk. Moving forward, how is Alabama's quarterback situation going to unfold? Well, I mean, I think you you have to start with Hertz, um, but you got to play. I think this week, as long as the game's under control, uh, I think you play two quarterbacks again. I think you maybe just kind of. A quarter, quarter, you know, give it both guys a couple quarters because it's never a bad thing to have two quarterbacks. It's just not. And the way Hertz plays, you know, his running style, and if they're going to put him out there, he, it's, I mean, you, your chances of getting hurt are a lot higher than if you're yep. just a drop back passer. Sure. So, you know, if you have Barnett ready, I mean, I think the talent, I think their throwing talent is pretty comparable. Barnett might be even a little better, but Hertz' legs and his playmaking ability with that. Just probably sets him over the top. So I mean, I think, and I think Lane Kiffin knows that, and I think Saban knows that. They're just, they're not going to commit to one guy right now because it doesn't make sense, mm-hmm. really. But by the Ole Miss game, unless something happens, I'd say Hurts probably plays that whole game. So yeah, I I think that's that's probably right. And if Western Kentucky scores twenty one points on Alabama Saturday. Don't freak out. Western Kentucky's actually, you know, really oh, they're good gonna, offensively. They're going to score more than USC. The game's not going to be close, but don't be alarmed if Western Kentucky actually, you know, plays they're well. They're good. They're they're a right. really good team. Yeah. The one thing I wanted to end with was you see sometimes on, on Twitter, especially when Auburn's playing bad, all this stuff the last two years, like, oh, well, Gus has been figured out. Malzahn's offense doesn't work anymore. Everybody's caught up to it. And I absolutely could not disagree with that more. Now, you've seen those opinions, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, people talk about – they talk about that on the radio every time, every day. And they talked about this last year. Like, and, yeah, it's, it's – You can sit in front of the TV and recite what play Auburn's about to run next. Like, the tendencies are not – and if, like, a, the, the average fan could recognize it, you know defenses and defensive coordinators can recognize it. So – how come it worked in 2013? Well, that's that's what that's what I'm saying. When you knew what play was coming, they were still effective. Like 2013, Trey Mason got the ball every single play. Every single and play. like he got seven yards every single play. So it's not like they knew what was coming. And then you just that one time Nick Marshall pulls it back and <laughs> throws it, and Sammy Coates has got a 20 yard cushion. It's not about no coach can trick another. Gus. I mean, not to say he doesn't have wrinkles to throw people off, because he always has had that, throw in a play every now and then. But his, he doesn't trick people to win. That's not how he was effective. He was effective because execution was so good. But, here, yeah, and that's, that's exactly my point. Like, I think you saw after 2013, during the offseason, we started hearing all this stuff about how 
Nick Marshall was going to get so much better as a passer in the offseason. They were going to open the offense up. And I think from that point all the way up until now, there's been a steady, steady pattern of making the offense more and more and more complex and complicated and throwing more, you know, eye candy at you. And just as a result, as a byproduct of that, the execution level of any of that has gone way, way down yep. to the point where the offensive line didn't play well at all in the first half. Last, I mean, it wasn't like the plays were stupid. I mean, it was just everybody was confused. Yeah. Nobody knew what was going on. And when, and when it comes down to it, football is football. You, you got to win in the trenches. If you don't win there, you're not going to be consistently good. So, I mean, Gus Malzahn still knows how to coach. I don't know. I don't know if he's a head coach. We still don't. I don't think we know that for sure. I mean, he he has a great football mind. He's an offensive. He's smart. He he knows how to coach yeah, offense. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Like, he, it's not like he's just done with. He's he's done with football. Like, if he got fired from Auburn, millions of teams, not millions, but every team would love to have him as their coordinator. But here's the and here's the key difference from this year from back to 2012 when Gene Chizik's ship sank and tragically burned. This Auburn team has the talent to be a really good football team. I don't think there's any question about that. Gene Chizik's team in 2012 was just really bad. Like, yeah, for a lot of reasons. I mean, guys been kicked off the team. You had no you had no quarterback. It was just it was a bad situation that like even if he figured something out, like it wasn't going to get better that year. Like it just wasn't. But you bring in a new coaching staff with new energy, new quarterback, and all of a sudden things start to turn. But on this team, like you can tell that talent's already in place. You've got you've got talent across the board, so we'll see. So one final question. Do mm-hmm. you think that Auburn today, if they started one quarterback for the rest of the season, what quarterback would have the most wins? Like at the end of the year, which quarterback do you think I, I it's just a who has the higher ceiling. I mean and I think, it, I think it's an obvious answer. I said all offseason I thought there was no doubt John Franklin III was the guy. But on the same token, Sean White, the more that I thought about it, Sean White's an eight-win quarterback, I yeah, think. I mean, a seven- to eight-win quarterback. Because the games he played last year, after he got comfortable, so after the Mississippi State game that he started his first game, and before he got hurt, he was really solid. Like, I – and I was I was really high on him. I thought, you know, this kid, once he figures it out, it's going to be really good. And then he got dinged up, so the end of the year was just kind of a mess. And this year, I mean, but, but then again, none of us have seen John Franklin play I just, throw the I don't ball. think Sean White, at this point, you can win 11 games. Sean White's not either. winning 10 or 11 games. There's either. no way. John Franklin, if, you, if your team becomes as a primary zone read team, John Franklin – and carry on Johnson, Camp Petway, whoever becomes that downhill back that gets to the hole and just runs. Like to me, like your your ceiling is you can win every with the defense you have, you can win every game if that offense becomes and that's what you focus on. Because it's proven in the past that Auburn can do that when teams know it. I just can't imagine that John Franklin is that bad. Like I know he's not a good passer. I know he's not going to throw through tight windows. But like Jeremy Johnson can't do that. Sean White is not an elite passer. He's not. He doesn't thread the needle, make you know sixty-yard dimes to people. It's like that's what I don't. Well, you see how Texas is using their, both of their quarterbacks perfectly. 
Yeah. Two totally different skill sets used for two totally different things. And I think that's what you're going to start seeing a little bit more from Auburn. Like, Sean White's going to be the main guy that John Franklin will – he's going to get more plays but, installed. for Like, for whatever reason, Saturday, he only had two plays in the playbook. Like, yeah. there was always allowed to run. So, And I think this one other thing that we've talked about is I think Gus is doing this hoping to win seven or eight games and keep his job because John Franklin – could, as, as quick as he could win you that many games, he could also – you could Absolutely. win two to three games. And you talked about that yeah. all offseason. I have. But it's, that's what, it's what Gus wants. If, if, eight, if he thinks seven or eight wins is going to get him his job for next year, then that's probably what he's going to do. But is that what the fans want? Probably not. So, I don't – Yeah, well, I, I would just say this. There's talent there. There's potential to turn it around. The defense looks like it's going to be really, really good. So, we'll see what happens. You know, maybe, yeah, it's, it's a long season. So What you need to do – have an easy win over Arkansas State. Yeah. Let everybody calm down a little bit, and then you can go from there. Yeah. So, with that being said, I think that's all we've got for this week. We will be back throughout the season. Make sure to follow us both on Twitter, Facebook, you know, whatever. And share it. We need some viewers. Absolutely. Yeah, share the podcast. Our listeners. Listen on iTunes, SoundCloud, whatever we put it on these days. And uh, we'll see you next time.